Welcome, players, to the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. This is the baseball show that dives into positional rankings right before Christmas. It's D. Mendy, welcoming you back to another new episode. Joined by Cake, 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 oh baby, you like it. It's so exciting. It's so cheesy. That's Art Tornabeni, <laughs> a.k.a. Little Cheesecake, the Elsie. Elsie, how's it going? I'm doing great, Mendy. How you doing today, man? I'm doing good, man. I was struggling to think of another thing for you, so I was impressed that that came to mind. Yeah, man, uh, I like that cake. <laughs> but uh, people can't see that your your man cave is growing every week. You added a microphone now, so now people are hearing you nice and loud and clear. I'm legit, man. I- I'm getting legit. The the man cave, the dungeon, it's cold. You know, it's cold down here. It's like 40 degrees in Maryland. But, you know, as a man, you got to do what you got to do to be in your own space, right? Oh, I feel that, my friend. I'm kind of in office, and I wish there was more of the, the place that you're building there. I like it. But uh, we also have another guy here, and that's the guy that's always four eyes on the show, and that's Eric Mendelson, a.k.a. The Doc. How's that going? How's that four eyes? Well... Usually Art doesn't have his his glasses on. He's been going the contacts route recently, and then you've been the one wearing glasses, so I'm calling you Four Eyes. Well, I'm not wearing glasses now, and we're the show that dives into divisional previews before Christmas. That's the best you have. It was positional previews before Christmas, but yes. Oh, gosh. (laughs) You're running out, David. (laughs) Give me some slack. It'll be better next week. But good thing the show is going to be better than the intro because on deck we have Triple Play Fantasy's Catcher Rankings 1.0. Before we head into 2021, we want to look at an, the early look at positional rankings, talk about where we are ranking these catchers into ne- heading into next season. We're going to be using NFBC rankings as our template for these episodes as we look at top guys, who we're straying away from, values, and all the fun rankings talk that you love and you crave. And tonight, we're going to be looking at the catcher position Joining with us the friend of the show, Chris Clegg, a.k.a. Roto Clegg! You're hearing plenty of that, and I'm just going to give you a tip. Make sure you turn your volume down when <laughs> when he's introduced on, because you'll want to know that ahead of time. <laughs> after oh, we go, I'm so excited. After we go to our bullpen for our question of the week, which team do you think will spend the most in free agency? And our game of the week coming in to shut the door. But first up to bat is our news and notes. News and notes. The White Sox have reunited with Adam Eaton on a one-year deal, reportedly, uh, and have also reportedly acquired right-hander Lance Lynn from the Rangers for two pitching prospects, right-hander Dane Dunning. If you didn't know, that was my alter ego on Instagram. The White Sox number five prospect per MLB pipeline going to the Rangers, along with Avery Weems. Weems is a six-round pick out of Arizona in 2019. Dane Dunning is obviously the interesting part of the swap for this, but I'm interested to hear kind of both sides of the deal and, and kind of your thoughts on it. So, Cheesecake, I'll start with you. What is your take for the White Sox getting Lynn and the Rangers getting Dane Dunning? I think it's a it's a really good move for the White Sox. Lynn is a better win now piece than Dane Dunning. Dunning, I think, does look have a pretty, look to have a pretty good future in this league. He showed in his first real cup of coffee in the bigs that he, he can, he could play with the big boys. So I, I, I do like the Rangers under this deal. I think they got a really nice piece. The White Sox got a rental of a premier pitcher. Uh, Lynn has been a, you know, top 20 fantasy pitcher the past two years. Uh, so I think the White Sox really got a good pitcher on their hands, but 
you know, they're going to have to see if they want to keep him after this year. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a hefty cost to give up someone like Dane Dunning for one year of a guy, but for a team uh, poised to win now, you got to make those types of decisions. Doc, what are you thinking? So if I steal a lot of points from you and Bubba yesterday, it's because I agree a lot. I think it's a win-win for both. I think for the White Sox, you're getting a pitcher who's an innings eater, who's finished in the top five and six. You said the past couple of years in Cy Young voting. The only thing that's confusing is why they don't have a win-now manager. I don't think Tony La Russa fits with that team, especially with the moves they've made. But for Texas, I mean, they got Dave Dunning, or Dane Dunning, sorry. Um who was originally with the Nationals and got traded as part of the Adam Eaton deal in the first place. He's someone that's going to start every fifth game. He has potential, and, you know, you're giving him up for a veteran who's not going to help you win now. You know, you're far off from that. So I like for both teams. Yeah, I mentioned a little bit yesterday on the Bench with Bubba Pod that Dane Dunning has this stuff. He's just got to work a little bit on his changeup. He struggled a lot versus lefties. He did really well against righties. But if he wants to stick, he's going to get that chance every fifth day. But his changeup going away to lefties was not working. So he has to make sure he kind of hones that a little bit more. Uh, and he's got to make sure he sticks with what he was working with righties, which he went heavy sinker uh, and kind of just kind of understood what kind of mix to go with in that situation. So... I think the Rangers have the guys they're capable of working with him. They can look at the analytics. The Verlance Lynn, it is a nice win now piece for them. He'll slot in. I read he's going to be slot in the three spot, actually, behind Keichel and Giolito. So I'm a little interested. I actually think he's better than Giolito or uh, Keichel. So, but they have a good one through three. So bad for us fans of other teams in the Central. But there were a couple other trades that went down. The Angels acquired. The brothers Iglesias, Raciel Iglesias, Jose Iglesias. So it's a lot of Iglesias. I think you said Justin Mason called it. So, Doc, what do you think of these additions to the Angels? I mean, I think it solidifies them up in a couple of positions where they needed it. I think it gives them a replacement for Andrel- Andrelton Simmons in the infield. And as you mentioned on the podcast as well, he makes really good contact. I think it's going to be hard to strike a lot of the Angels out on that. And then for uh, Iglesias, the relief pitcher, I drafted him in 2019, and that's when he had his bad year, so I have a little bit of a bias against him, but he is better than any option they have in the bullpen. I think it's making moves to try to win or at least make a playoff appearance with Mike Trout, and I wouldn't be surprised if if they aren't done spending. All right, and Cheesecake, what about you? Well, you forgot that ringing in Enrique Iglesias to sing "I Can Be Your Hero, Baby" uh, for 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 uh, you know pre games. So there's a more Iglesias coming their ways. Um, the thing that I <laughs> the thing that I want to talk about is the Reds. I think that um, I think that the, that this is another sign that the Reds are looking to cut costs this year. I mean, they did not re-sign Archie Bradley, a guy who had a contract of about four million coming up. Uh, not that big of a contract when you when you think about it in in, in MLB economics, at least pre twenty twenty MLB economics, and they they decided not to not to keep him around. The guy guy's a back end reliever. This is a team that uh, was in the playoffs and underperformed last season. So I I thought that they had a chance to also you know step up their game, become a more prominent team in the National League, but they're taking a step back. Maybe it's to make a big run in 2022, but, uh, you know, it's a little bit disappointing. Not, I mean, not necessarily for me as a Cubs fan, 
but for for a for for a team that like Cincinnati who was on the come up with a lot of good talent, you know, really letting their bullpen pieces go. You know, they had a really deep bullpen last season, letting Archie Bradley go, trading Rysel Iglesias for uh, for Noe Ramirez, who is who's a good arm, but not on the same level as those two guys. I think it's a uh, I think it's a little bit disappointing. I agree with every point you made, and you're a very smooth operator with that mic, Mr. Cheesecake. The smooth operator cheesecake. Uh, I want to stay with you for the last bit of news we're going to get to here. The Royals signing the cheesecake special. And I think I even said this on the bench with Bob. I can't associate this name and not associate with you. Carlos Santana going to the Royals on a two-year $18 million deal. This is your guy. What do you think of this move for him? Yeah, I, we, we've all been playing in a points league together for about four or five years now. And I will reach higher and higher for uh, Carlos Santana every year uh, because he's just, he's just points league. He's, he's, he's a darling. He's, he's the most underappreciated guy in all points league because of that walk rate. And he's going to Kauffman stadium where he has hit really well in his career. And, uh, and, you know, Carlin said it and I agree with him. It's actually a lineup upgrade, especially if Francisco Lindor gets traded there's a lot of talent in that Kansas City lineup, and I, I really like it for him. I think he had some really bad batted ball luck this year that would have smoothed out. It still would have been a down year, but I think you can count on him next year for about a 250. He's going to give you that 25 to 30 home runs, and he's going to give you that 400 OBP. Guy's a monster, uh, you know, and he's going around. <laughs> he's going super late now in drafts. Maybe he'll start going up now that he has a team, but he was going really late uh, prior to this. Yeah, if you I mean, take anything away from this podcast and you draft with Art, take Carlos Santana to annoy him. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he's had an under 200 batting average, but still had a 350 OBP. So that just shows you how much he gets on base. And I forgot who made this point, so forgive me. I, I just don't remember the top of my head. But someone brought up the fact that with all the guys that they have that can steal bases, that they can't shift as much if they're on base against Carlos Santana. So if he pulls the ball, those heavy shifts won't apply to him quite as much, which could help his batting average profile too. So I thought that was an in- a very interesting point yeah. uh, when you have, you know, Whit Merrifield at the top of the order there. Doc, anything you'd like to add about Mr. Carlos Santana? No, it was a good deal. Surprising. I, I didn't think the Royals were spenders like that, but good for them. I like the move. Him and Mike Miner are solid, underrated pieces. Again, okay, I'll disagree on Mike Miner, but good Carlos Santana signing. They offset a bad one for a good one. Twins still don't do anything. What a shocker. But if you like hearing Carlos Santana, if you like what you hear so far, make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. Want to hear more triple play? Great news for you. We have a fantasy football show, a fantasy basketball show, and now an NFL DFS show comes out Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. You can also check out that on Twitter and our other shows available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, how about lighting up that Apple Podcast app with a five-star rating and review of the show? Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy. Eric runs our social media and provides daily questions, annoying gifts, and of course, our weekly episode drops. Did you guys read the news? Cheesecake and Doc? Did you guys didn't see the news? What's the news? What, that you're doing this for cloud again? There have been people hiding in trees with binoculars looking inside the homes of certain individuals. These people are committing the crime of not watching us live on Twitter or downloading us on their phones to listen to this podcast. And they're resorting to spying in other people's homes 
to watch and listen to some triple play fantasy. Well, I want you to know we got you covered, bud. You can download us for free and watch us live on Twitter for free on many of our broadcasts. You just got to make a Twitter account. We want to keep you entertained, but it starts with you. You got to do the free things in life. Thank you, the loyal player, for your listens each and every week. And before we get to our guest, I want to also announce that we have launched the Triple Play Fantasy Swag Store. Merch. Yes, sir. This is huge for our brands. We look to continue to grow, baby. Buy yourself your buy yourself or your honey a shirt, joggers, leggings, tanks. We got hoodies, tote bags, masks, socks, mugs. You want it? We got it. If you listen to us like and like what we're doing, you know, you want to appreciate uh we appreciate your support. So maybe in some way, shape, or form you can kind of give back to what we're putting out if you get what I'm saying. Buy this swag, and not only will you look like a boss. But those extra resources will go back into the show to make this even better and better for you. We appreciate each and every one of you, even if you don't buy the swag. But if you buy the swag, we will definitely make sure we give you a bunch of clout for that. So thank you for regardless for listening, supporting us. And now let's get to some Chris Clegg. Welcome in a man. That stacks up more articles than all the stacks in your bank account. Fantasy baseball writer for Fantrax and co-host of that good old Fantrax prospect toolshed. Love me some toolshed. An FSWA and IBWAA member. We are not talking to a man of faith, but a man I have tons of faith in when it comes to his work. We welcome in Chris Clegg, a.k.a. Always the best intros, guys. I think you blew Oxy your drums out a little bit, but hey, <laughs> awesome job. I always appreciate the intro. Always enjoy hanging out with you guys. So I'm looking forward to an awesome night of talking some baseball and the catcher position. Yeah, I, uh, I we talked about doing that before the show. I was like, Eric, I'm going to play the charge. And then you say Roto Clegg. I did not know he was about to scream in as loud as he could. <laughs> That's awesome. But, it was so good. Frodo Clegg, but it will be the first of at least a few tonight. Fair, just love just, it. Just tone it down a little bit for the sake of our listeners' ears. But, uh, <laughs> but Chris, yeah. man, you're a busy dude, man. Um, what's life been like for you recently? I know you've been pumping out a lot of articles. Obviously, they're always super thorough and in depth. I love reading them. You got a little one on the way. You obviously still got your day job, so you've got a lot of stuff on your plate. Kind of, how are you balancing things out, and how have things been going? A lot of late hours, but uh, it's been good. You know, I've been preparing. We've been painting the nursery. We've got a little one on, first child on the way. It'll be late April, but still trying to get ahead on all this because it'll be here before I know it. And so trying to get ahead and get pump out plenty of fantasy baseball content. So it's a lot of late nights writing and recording, but life's good, man. Enjoy every bit of it. So glad glad to be here tonight with you guys. Yeah, and uh, Clay is one of the best dudes that I know on Twitter. Interact with him a good amount. His knowledge is, is just second to none, knows so much. So we're really glad to bring him in tonight for our first edition. We're doing the 1.0 triple play rankings tonight, and we're starting off at the catcher position. So we need to start this off right with our guy here, Chris Clegg. So when we look at catchers, it's very interesting <laughs> because uh, it's a position that not a lot of people like talking about, honestly, but 
We're heading into 2021. We have to talk about every position. And this is going to kind of set the table. You know, we're like all getting the placemats, the bowls, the plates. This is setting the table for the the juicy stuff that's coming later on. And we got to do it right. So we're going to look at this position, talk about the rankings as far as NFBC is concerned. We're going to use their rankings. And we're going to talk about this position group going into next season. And so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at guys 1 through 10, guys 11 through 20, and then we'll be looking at guys after 20 that you should maybe be targeting in your drafts. So without further ado, let's dive in to the top 10. And if we go to the NFBC rankings for the top 10 of catchers, you've got some names that are obviously very common. You get the, the JTRs, of course, anytime that his name is said, Toby's ears perk up. And then you got, you know, good old Salvi, Will Smith, Wilson Contreras, Yasmani Grandal, Travis DeArnaud, Christian Vasquez, Austin Nola, Sean Murphy, and Dalton Varsho, who uh, is a name that if you've been kind of ingrained in this offseason so far, his name's cre- like steadily creeping up there. So, Clay, I'm going to start with you. This is the top 10. Which guy in the top 10, maybe outside of the obvious JTR, are you really excited to draft? Y'all probably know my answer because I hyped this guy up a lot. I wrote a nice article about him. And that's Dalton Varsho. Love the man. He is. He does something that no other catcher can really do, and that is steal bases at a high clip. Like He's got the speed to steal 20 bases at least. And what I love about him mostly is that he's going to play pretty much every day because not only is he a catcher, but is he a center fielder. And that speaks a lot of volume, I think, about his athleticism because he's an athletic enough catcher that can also play center field. He's got a great hit tool, man. Hits for solid average everywhere he's been. I think it wouldn't surprise me, honestly, to see him hit 275, 280, which may even be a low projection based on what we've seen him do in the past. 20 home run pop, like he's not going to blow you away power-wise, but 20 home runs, and even if he just steals 15 bags out of the catcher position, that is huge. And so currently, looking at a steamer projection, which is pretty shallow i think he's only projected for 374 plate appearances by steamer which is really really low because i do think that he plays 140 games which way eclipses that number so his projection right now is 13 home runs 45 runs 46 rbi 10 steals and a 257 average so when i input this into a little formula thing i use it projects him to be the sixth best catcher and with a very conservative projection i think and so if you just bump up his playing time, like 100 plate appearances, it pushes him to easily be a top five catcher. And he's going, it's the 10th overall catcher, so he's right at the back of the numbers we're discussing. He's going pick 181, which you're getting great value. I mean, you can spend the 38th overall pick on JT Romuto, or you can wait on a guy that has some question marks, but could obviously put out and produce as much fantasy value as JT, I think. So Dalton Varsho is a guy I'm all over. I'm waiting. Like I don't like honestly going that high on JT, even though he he is valuable. Don't really care to go that high on Salvador Perez, who's had injuries. And at this point, I'm just waiting. I'm just going to wait, and I'm going to be early on Varsho, probably in the like 150, 160 range. So I guarantee that I get him because I do think that he is that valuable. So Varsho's my uh, love in the pick one through ten range for a catcher. Make, makes mental note: take Dalton Varsho 140 to annoy Roto. <laughs> I was going to ask together. I was going to ask you, you kind of answered my question. I was going to say, how early are you planning to take him? And do you see him rising, his ADP rising as the offseason continues? Because it, it may get to the point where I'm just a Zach Please that comes to mind where if a month ago you're getting him 
you know, like round seven, round eight, and now he's creeping up in four, round four, round five. Do you think that Dalton Varsho could have that same similar jump as the offseason progresses? Yeah, and he already has. I'm looking back when I wrote the article. I wrote the article November 19th, and he was going at pick 211. So he's jumped 30 spots since then. Yeah, And that's what about less than a month that he's jumped that much. So it's possible that he keeps jumping. And if he jumps to a range that I'm not comfortable, then I'm not going to take him. There's other sleepers that I like. Um, just right now where he's going, I'm still comfortable at pick 210. Yeah, I'm really comfortable getting him there. But his this is funny. His ADP also has probably been affected by this. His min pick on NFBC is 31. Oh and so, my God. so apparent this is so there's a story behind it. Apparently Justin Mason and a couple other guys, maybe Bubba, they were in this draft and this guy picked Varsho at 31. And so they put out on Twitter about it and asked like who this was because they wanted to know why that he went 31st overall. I mean, like JT's min pick is 28. So like you're putting him up there in that range. And apparently the dude accidentally misset his cue and he had Varsho at the top of the queue oh. there and he auto picked and he got Varsho at 31, which has probably skewed his ADP a lot. And so his, his max picks 266. So I'm guessing that 31st pick has jumped that up a lot. It had a big effect. So he's probably going a little lower. But again, I think I'd feel comfortable going in like the, the 150, 160 range because you're looking at other guys there like Darno, Vasquez, Nola. I'd re- have rather have them or Varsh over all those guys. So I, I feel comfortable in that range. But I think you can get them later. Depends on the draft falls. I agree. And, and Cheesecake, I know that was someone that you really liked as well uh, going yeah. in the top 10. Yeah, I do. I think as as Clegg said, he has a unique profile for catcher. He, I think you could easily count on him for 14, 15 stolen bases. No other catcher is projected to get over seven. So that really helps you in building your roster in a roto format. But then in points format, the guy has a 9% walk rate throughout his minor league career and only about a 16% strikeout rate. That really bodes well for points format. He's not going to kill you with those strikeouts. So I like him a lot. Uh, I also wanted to mention, I know the Sal Perez has some injury concerns, but Sal Perez is another guy I'm looking at. I think his, his, the distance between JT and Sal means the difference, uh, the, the draft value is really good on Sal. Actually, if you look at the projections, Sal is right there with JT because they project him to have a little bit more power, uh, than JT. Uh, so the projections, have Sal right there actually, and you're getting him 70 picks later. So I really like his value as well. Well said, good point on, on Sal Perez. I think people are kind of wondering that if that season off kind of rejuvenated him some, he had a lot of wear and tear playing catcher and first base and DH consistently. He was always in the lineup. So I'm interested to see what he does next year. And you're right. If you can give him a big discount after JTR, it's not a bad move at all. Doc, let's get a little different. Who are you looking at in this yeah. time? And, and Clegg will probably like my guy. It's uh, Travis Diarno. And, you know, coming into his major league career, uh, I thought he'd be a bust, but I think he's found a home with the Braves. He's going to be in a good hitting offense with Freddie Freeman and Ozzy Albies and Ronald Acuna. Wouldn't be surprised if they tried to add another bat because they kind of seemed like they're going all in. In 44 games last year, he had 321 with nine homers, 34 RBIs, and a 386 on base percentage. He's somebody where I know people are drafting Gary Sanchez because you're chasing the power. And Diarno won't give you that same power, but he has double-digit home runs in four different years. And if he plays 70-plus games, he's a lock for that. For his career, he has an 18.7 strikeout uh, percent 
or 18.7% strikeout rate, which is lower than a lot of the catchers. It's lower than Yasmani Grandal. It's lower than Gary Sanchez. So I think in a points league, he won't ding you a lot. And I think, you know, he has a lot of upside playing in a great offense. That's surprisingly good analysis from you, Doc. I was getting my button ready. Well, you'll have to hold it off for next segment. I was I was looking. I just looked him up. They have him projected to bat fourth right now in that Atlanta offense, assuming Azuna doesn't resign. So that's another thing you got to like about that, batting fourth. Yeah. Right. And he's going to hit fourth or fifth regardless, I think. Hmm. I would listen to the Braves expert over there. So I, I do like that a lot. like to call Eric, a guy that I'm kind of sneakily on. If you look kind of in the back end of the top 10, I agree with all your guys' takes. I love Dalton Varsho. I love the call that you made, Doc. I love Sal Perez. But I'm looking, when you again get back to that back end, I'm looking at number nine, and that's Sean Murphy. And I think his name kind of gets lost. He plays for Oakland. Uh, so not a lot of, uh, of, you know, lights over there, people checking him out, but this was, remember he was a rookie in 2019, potential gold glove, future all-star. They were already touting him 2019. He had a solid 245 batting average with four homers, five doubles and 60 plate appearances. But when he came out in 2020, he kind of faltered a little bit outside the gate and through the first quarter of the season slashed 173, 300, 265 with just one home run. Kind of looked a little bit scary, but then if you kind of looked deeper under the hood, you saw those were a little bit misleading. He was hitting the ball really hard, had an impressive hard hit percentage and exit velocity, which actually finished in the top 9%. And I think those drives he was hitting were just finding the defense instead of falling in. That kind of started aligning it more because when you look from August 12th on for the rest of the year, he produced a 256, 390, 537 slash line, six homers, five doubles, and 100 plate appearances. Murphy also showed you an excellent eye at the plate. He drew 18 walks compared to 24 strikeouts. He actually ranked in the top 3% in Major League Baseball in walks as a catcher, which is nuts to me. He upped his launch angle, barrel rate, lowered his chase percentage 12%, while upping his chase contact 4%, which so those two things already there together just really stuck out to me. And then he cut his ground ball down some. And he actually, one of the things that I thought was interesting in his profile was in 2019, he pulled the ball 50% of the time. And then in 2020, that went down to 31% of the time. And he used that basically that 20%, he ended up moving that to his straightaway profile. So it was a pretty much even split between pulling straightaway and opposite field. I'm wondering if he maybe switches a little bit more to go in a little bit more pull heavy. I don't think it's bad to up it a little bit more if that's kind of what he's stronger is as as far as you look at his 2019 slash line. Um, But I think he's a really good hitter and that A's team has some pop in it and he he has a lot of good uh, prospect pedigree. So I think people are sleeping on him. I'm all in on Sean Murphy for next year. Love it, man. I agree 100%. Love Sean Murphy and all good takes. I was going to go back to to what a little cheesecake said about Sally. So I was looking at my spreadsheet and using the projections to Roto dollars, Salvador's actually projected the first catcher, which is wow. impressive. So yeah, just want to bring that up. Good call there, cheesecake. Uh, let's yeah, move now. Sal, Sal's powers is, is legit and it's improving. Uh, late in his career, he's got some power surge actually. So it's, it's, it's legit. And he's 70 picks behind Rio Muto. Let's move to the flip side of things here, and let's talk about someone in the top ten that you're uh, you're faded, or is that what the the cool kids say? You're fading, faded on. So someone that you completely do not want to draft inside the top ten. 
Doc, I'll start with you for this one. Who are you looking at inside the top 10 that you do not like? Yeah, for me, it's Yasmani Grandal, and he's ranked, uh, I think, as you said, five. I think with him, you're chasing a lot of the power. Um, so the White Sox added Adam Eaton, and that's going to be another bat in the lineup. He's never had more than 77 RBIs in his career. He's 32 years old. He has 11 career stolen bases. So he's probably on the downside of whatever peak he had in terms of that. Uh, and I look at his stats last year. He had a 29.9% K rate. His war went from five. Did you use, did you use StatCast? And, you know, I'm trying to use a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> he, his, his, his barrel percentage went from 10.3% to 7.6%. I think he's somebody that doesn't have an everyday role anymore. I, I understand that he does play catcher, but I think the White Sox have so many bats in that lineup that he's not guaranteed the DH role like he was coming into this year. And I think he's more of a name in the past and more than what he'll do in the future. And as they say, past performance isn't always indicative of future success. <laughs> Wow, this is crazy! I didn't get booed, and I actually got an applause from Dave. I'm, I'm, I'm. I might shed a tear because you are becoming a stat caster, and I'm, I'm very, just, I'm very proud older brother. I'm just. <laughs> go I wish. Go cheesecake. I wish I could say the same. Uh, well, I think I think Will Smith is going a little bit too high. I think there's a little bit of a Dodger tax going on. I think we're going to have to start talking about the Dodger tax. Like we talk about the Yankee tax. Will Smith is going as the number three catcher off of the board. Now here's, here's some good things about Will Smith. His barrel rate is consistently higher than normal. He's, he's 10, 11% normally on his barrel rate in 2020. He cut his whiff rate from 25% to 15 and a half percent from his 2019, sorry, cup of coffee. His own contact rate went up. And he made a big jump in opposite field hits, something that uh, led to a higher batting average. Now, you can say, oh, wow, that's good. He's young. He's a prospect. That means he's going to pro- progress. Now, remember, prospect growth is not linear. That's a, that's a, that's a phrase I want you to get, to get stamped in your brain, get it tattooed on your body. He has 284 big league ABs. In 1,228 minor league uh, played appearances. He was a 243 hitter and had a 23% whiff rate. This is a guy who has not shown that he is a high batting average guy, even though he's hitting 268 in his major league career. Like I said, 284 big league ABs. He's getting pushed up because he was hot down the stretch and he's playing on the Dodgers. I don't think you can expect that type of production, especially going in front of guys uh, that that have been doing it. I think this is a guy whose proje- the projections have him down in about the 12th, 13th best catcher but uh i th- going three because there's that dodger tax it's going to sting you again i'm not trusting that he's going to produce like he did for that shortcut a sample from last season will smith is my guy i'm fading for the top 10 very well said there don't disagree with you all uh at all clegg what about you who in the top 10 either if it's been said if you want to add anything or if someone different yeah so i was going with Grandall as well i think that that's an easy fade for me. I'm going to flip over and a guy that probably like, I'm going to get a lot of hate for this one. And it's Austin Nola because he gained everyone's love and affection this year in his age 30 breakout with the Padres. He was on a team that everybody loved to watch. We know, we know he got traded over there. He was with the Mariners before, but Nola, I don't know. There's, there's some things in the profile that concern me. He's, he's a great contact hitter. He walks at a high clip, but 
I think that there's some regression coming like power wise. And it's even notable that when he was traded to San Diego, so after being traded, he was traded on August 30th, he hit just 217 and he hit just two home runs after that. I don't I don't think the power is as legit as we think. Even though he did increase his barrel rate, he increased his average exit velocity, he increased sweet spot percentage, hard hit rate, like all those things jumped last year, but honestly they trended downward towards the end of the year. And so I wonder over a full length season what that would have ended up looking like. He's also projected to hit ninth in that order. So you're looking at minimal plate appearances. They still have Francisco Mejia there, who I think was one time the best catcher prospect in baseball. So there's always a chance he could jump in and they want to give him some reps and they are going to split reps. Like Nola's not going to to play every day. A lot of people love Nola. I just think at the price he's going at pick 167, catcher number eight, I think that there's a lot better values to be had. And I don't see the upside to really gain by what Nola gives you. Like he's projected to, he's projected close to 500 plate appearances and only 12 home runs and a 253 average. I think the little low projection on the average because he does hit, he does make great contact. I mean, his, his zone contact and his contact percentage are, are both really good, like upper percentiles among hitters. But I still don't think he's going to give you better than like 270. And with minimal power, I think there's just better catchers to be had there, unless you're just looking for batting average. But I would personally avoid that. You're not getting much else out of him. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope that the breakout's legit. Like, it's cool to see a guy break out. He'll be 31 in a couple days. So, I don't know. How well do catchers really age? He's he's a career minor leaguer. I mean, dude's a journeyman. He didn't make his debut until 2019, and he's been in the minors since 2012. So, there's a lot of wear and tear, likely, from catching. And so, I just, I don't know. I have concerns about him holding up over a full season and the power output. So, I'm kind of fading Nola a little bit. Those are some great points. And I think, it's, again, when we're looking at these guys, we have to remember we're looked at 60-game uh, sample size last year, right? So it's like we don't even know how some of these guys would have fared later on in the season if we add another 100 games to that. You know, he could have completely faded, and then he wouldn't have even sniffed the top 20. So I, I think the risks that you bring up are very relevant. And taking Austin Nola in the top 10, uh, that, that's bold for someone, like you said, as a career minor leaguer. So I, I could see that that being kind of a, a scary pick if you're deciding to take him that early in the top 10, which I believe he has taken in the yeah, top 167 picks. So um, I, I could definitely side with you on that. I could see that. The person I was going to say, Clay, you were going to say him. Doc already said him. Yasmani Grandal. Uh, I don't want to add too much to it because I don't want to beat too much of a dead horse. And we're not an anti-Yasmani Grandal pod. He's just and he's okay, I guess. But um, he walks a lot. That's about one of the great things in his profile. And he's great defensively. He can frame with the best of them. So he'll be in the lineup. I saw he's right now on roster resource. He's actually projected to bat third. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I do not, I, I would hope that does not stay because he is not a number three hitter in that powerful lineup. I project he's probably going to be hitting lower in the order, probably like eighth or ninth by the end of the season. Probably eighth and Madrigal will hit ninth. But it, it's too rich for me as the fifth catcher off the board. Um, this is a guy, honestly, his K rate shot up nearly to nearly 30%. I think Doc already mentioned that. He's no spring chicken. He's 32 years old. So you have to wonder if this is the start of his decline. His XBA was actually worse than his 230 average. It was actually at 210. Uh, I'm, I'm just very curious. He struggled to hit anything besides the fastball. And his uh, zone swing and, and zone contact were both down. So I'm also wondering if he's having trouble seeing the ball as he's aging as well. 
I just there's nothing in his profile to me that says he's a top five catcher. I, I love the, in that lineup. We all took a collective poop. Besides Elsie, we all took a collective metaphorical poop on Yasmani Grandal. <laughs> Pretty much, at least at his ADP. Because uh, oh, wait, 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 wait! I won't say it again, Eric. Metaphorical poop. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That was a David. That was a David fart right there. <laughs> That was a Yasmani Grandal fart. <laughs> but uh, okay, let's move to the next one here. And now we're going to move into the 11 through 20 range. And players that, I think Cheesecake, we were texting earlier, you said this is a disgusting group of players. And you didn't mean that in an offensive way to them, but just their ADPs and just kind of how they're grouped in there. So Elsie, I will go to you first for this group. Who do you like in this 11 to 20 range? Uh, I like I said, I, it, it it is an ugly group of players. I think that this group, you know, they're not inspiring. They're not. You're not going there and going. Oh my gosh, I I really hope I get this guy. But um, there's some value here. I think the guy who I I really like going 11th off the board at pick 197 is Gary Sanchez. I think as uh, as uh, as the uh, ESPN podcast would say, the hate has gone too far with Gary Sanchez. Uh, (laughs) This is a guy whose exit velocity is still elite. His hard hit rate is still elite. His barrel rate is also still elite. What you saw what happened to him in 2020 was his K rate jumped to about 36, 37%. It had never been above 28% before that and usually hovered around 25%. You know, you you, you want to you got to come up with some sort of narrative. Going 197, the 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 tax uh, the the discount is already baked in. That the the potential is there. This is a guy who has the potential for 30 plus home runs, hitting in a really good lineup. And you can't sit here, you know, going, oh, they might sign JT Real Muto, so I'm not going to draft him. Those types of things, those types of big moves, take a lot of pieces. You can't just make a decision based on something that might happen. You got to make a decision based upon the information you have right now. And right now, Gary Sanchez is a very good value. He's in the 14th round in 15 teams, 16th round in 20 and 12 teams. And for potential, a catcher, the guy's a great value pick. Um, I don't see any helium on that price either. So I do think that this is a guy that you can wait, wait, wait till the 16th round in a 12 team or wait, wait, wait till the 14th round. And if he goes off the board, Prior to you being able to grab them, you're not mad. You move on. But if not, you're sitting there in 16, maybe you wait till 17, and he's there. I am happy to get him. You know, like I said, um, this is a guy with great potential. Could be a top, the top catcher, actually, at the end of the season. But definitely top five, going 11th off the board, close to pick 200. So this is a guy, I'm just going to, because you said that like 20 times, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so my my question to you first of all it's kind of funny because he went he was argued as the number one cut catcher last year by some people and he was getting drafted as the number one catcher and now he's fallen this far if he is not on the yankees are you docking him at all off those rankings like are you personally moving him back farther if he's not with that short right porch uh no i'm not because well, right-handed hitters don't have the Good same point. yeah the same quite uh, same short porch that left-handed hitters have. The guy has real power that'll play anywhere. Um, and at catcher, you know, 
plate appearances are at such a premium with catcher. If you look in 2019, only 20 catchers got over 21 catchers got over 350 plate appearances. If Sanchez is being traded somewhere, it's it's to play. And um, and he's going to get those plate appearances and he's going to have that power. Like I said, that hard hit rate, that exit velo and that barrel rate are still elite. All right. Well said, Clegg, where are you going in this group? Yeah, well, I was want. I hope that they the Yankees do sign Real Muto and ship Sanchez like Colorado, and then oh my god, this is a monster. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I think that he's actually better if he moved out of the out of New York. There's so much pressure to play there, so I, I think that when you see a guy like this who is struggling, they like magnify the struggles. And mm-hmm. so if he moves out of New York, it'd be a great move for him. But I'm going on one that probably most people wouldn't. And that's Jorge Alfaro. Hmm. He's an interesting profile. Very interesting. He he was terrible in, in 2020. He only had 100 plate appearances. Uh, we know he had COVID and stuff like that. So it could have affected him. But he only hit 226. He had a 280 OBP. It wasn't very good. Overall, the profile hasn't been good, but the potential for the profile is really good. So what's very interesting is he's kind of a big dude. He's 6'3", 230. This guy in 2019 had a 90th percentile sprint speed. That dude can move. Wow. He's fast as all get out. He hits the ball extremely hard as well. Like he had a 79th percentile exit velo of 90.8 miles an hour in 2019. This year I'm kind of looking past because, because again, small sample plus COVID. So it could have affected him in a lot of ways. The dude strikes out a ton. But if he can just get the bat on the ball, like if he can up his contact rates a little bit, yes, they are bad, like really, really bad. But if he can just begin to hit the ball a little bit, it's going to go a long way because he hits it really hard and he can move, which is interesting. Like if he could just get on base, he could steal 10 bases. So we mentioned most catchers not being able to do that, but he's more than capable of doing it, which is interesting. Hits the ball on on the ground a lot. There's some things in the profile that you don't like to see at all, but Gary Sanchez, I think, was the obvious one in this range. And then it's a bunch of garbage. Sorry if any of the catchers are listening to this, but there's just not a lot to like in this ADP range. And so I went off the wall with Alfaro because I think in the slim chance that he does hit and develop, he could be really good. And he's still young. He's he's only 27. And so there's still plenty. Of, he's just entering the prime. He could continue to develop and I think be a serviceable catcher. Like he could be startable catcher in a 12-team league and there's room to jump. So. The slim chance that it happens, I'll take a shot on that since I'm not going Sanchez. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at their backup catchers, Chad Wallace, who I, I don't even know if I'd heard of until I just looked it up. So he's going to get a lot of plate appearances as long as he's healthy, which I think is, a like Cheesecake mentioned, a big key at this position. Not having timeshares and having the sprint speed to potential, like you said, steal some bases. Uh, I mean, we've seen people change their profiles as far as ground ball rates and things, so I like that call as well. I, I could see it, especially a Marlins team that's kind of rising steadily. I mean, making the playoffs this year could be a you know big part of their team next year. Love the call. Doc, what about you? For me, um, you guys didn't mention him, but he's my favorite catcher and just happens to be the best in this group. And that's James McCann. Why and is he your catcher? You know, I just felt like he was he's always been under the radar. Um, this is going to be a throwback name, but remember Kelly Shopik from the Indians? Yeah. I just felt like they were both catchers that were, that were undervalued that at any given point could have a two home run game and people just didn't appreciate them. I am kind of perplexed at this, but continue. Okay. Well, the last two years he's raised his batting average from 273 now to 289 this past season. Um, 
in all of the previous seasons prior to this, he's played 105 plus games. So pretty durable. And I know that he's 30, but if you look at the 149 game spanning from 2019 and 2020, he had 25 home runs in those games. His exit velocity was 90.2 miles per hour in 2019, and he upped it to 90.5. His hard hit rate was up from 44.2 to 47.8. So once again, I mean, may, am I looking at him in dynasty? No, I don't think that catcher's value long-term bodes well in their 30s. But if you're talking about somebody that could have a really good 2021, I think a new scene benefits him well. And um, I love the range that he's in. I, I certainly don't mind taking him past 10 if he slips. Kelly Shoppage reference and hyping up Brian McCann or James McCann. Well, I, I'm mixing up my McCanns now. Got me perplexed over here, Eric. Nice job. I, I agree. Okay. All right. Um, this ne- This guy, and this is not a homer pick, I promise. I, I'm, I'm going to get my Mitch Garvers on. Because this this data I'm about to read you from Mitch Garver is just going to uh, hopefully change any Mitch Garver doubters out there. Arguably the best catcher in 2019. Didn't play a lot last year. I don't think people realize that. He actually only played in 23 games. He was hampered by injuries. So let's start at that point. You're basing it off his 2020 numbers off of 36 balls put into play. So let that sink in. 36 batted balls in play. That's the data that's on him right now for his last season. If you look into the deeper into that, he actually improved his batted ball profile because he had a high, he actually had the highest average launch angle of his career at 18.6 degrees, which is very good. He had the highest, uh, his average exit velocity was the highest it's ever been at 92.4 miles per hour, which was a slight increase from 2019. His hard hit percentage of 50% matched the number in 2019. So I'm still think he's still hitting the ball hard, which I liked to see. Cheesecake talked about that with Gary Sanchez. But then you're saying, hey, Demendi, why did he not match that production? And, and that's a fair question. And let me get to that. So don't be too antsy with me. But it was the contact that killed him in 2020. He saw basically a similar pitch mix in 2020 that he did in 2019. And the thing is, his K's skyrocketed to a career high 45.7%, which was up 20% from 2019. He did have actually improved plate discipline with that. But again, the K's not a good look for him. His contact percentage crater from his career norm of about 80% down to a career low 64%. But simply, uh, I mean, pretty much, I think, honestly, if you look at it, he was hurt and barely was able to play 23 games. If you look, the league-wide contact percentage had its biggest decrease from the year prior since 2011 to 2012. So as a whole, the league contact percentage went down the most in basically eight years. I think not having the preparation before the season hurt him. I think the injury during the season played a factor. And I think in a normal season, the 12th ranked catcher off the board is an absolute steal. I have Mitch Garver in my top 10 firmly in my top 10. And I think that for people that I don't necessarily know if he's going to be the, the number one catcher, he was kind of on pace as he was in 2019, but I think he could easily be a top six or seven catcher. No question. Good pick David. Yeah. One thing you mentioned, and it's something that we see coming up again and again for 2020 guys who swung less, saw more pitches, walked more and struck out more. It seems to be a a trend and this is just anecdotal, but it seems to be that a lot of the guys are analyzing 
were having trouble getting the bat off their shoulder this season. And, uh, you know, it's one of the reasons why I'm just like, you know, 2020 is something you can almost just discount a lot of the, in, in, in large measure. Yeah. And again, if there's a guy that's hurt too, or someone again, we, uh, you know, on Bubba's pod the other day and he loves Jan Mankata and he basically admitted that the effects of COVID really weighed on him. And you look at his season, it, you pretty much throw that away because he was not himself. I think that's the important thing to remember. I think there's a place for some of this data, but I don't think you can solely look at the 2020 data as someone's value. And, and unfortunately, a lot of these rankings are based on 2020 because you know mm-hmm. people are very recency biased type of thing. But it's important to remember what these guys did, and you can look in their profiles to see, hey, uh, this is something that might be a little bit of an outlier that I think in a normal season would have kind of regressed to the norm. And those were those expected stats also help as well. So. Um, I think everybody brought up a lot of good players for this part of the discussion. Let's move to the flip side of the 11 to 20, and let's talk about the players you're fading in that range. And we'll start with you, Clegg. Who in this range do you not like? And I hate to say it because this is a a longtime legend. That's Buster Posey. We know that he didn't play last year, which, again, is a red flag in itself. And maybe... We saw with Sal Perez that, you know, he set out a year with injury and he came back and was rejuvenated. But I think it's a different scenario for Posey. He's going to be 34 years old when the season starts next year. How durable can he really be? I don't know. And he's just been on the steady decline. There's minimal here in the profile to like, in my opinion, even though he's made good contact, like his contact skills have still been there but he just hasn't been hitting the ball hard enough to be able to sustain these things. Like he's not sustaining a high bat average because he's not hitting it hard enough in places where he can really get on base. The power is virtually none. And they've got a guy that is coming up that everybody loves in Joey Bart and Mm -hmm. Bart is the future catcher of the giants. I'm assuming that they share duties probably this year, but I think if Bart comes out and is solid, then he's just going to take the playing time away. And we know Posey's a legend, and so you hate to say we're avoiding him, but he's going as the 15th catcher off the board. And when you're looking in that range, especially if you're in a like NFBC two catcher league, there's no way I could have him as a catcher one in that kind of format. Because one, I don't think he's going to play enough, and two, I don't when he does play, I don't think he's going to provide enough value to be relevant. I mean, Steamer says nine home runs, two fifty six average, four hundred and seventy one plate appearances. That seems pretty high, I think. And he could. If the DH sticks in the National League, he could get some reps there. He could rep at first base some. It's hard to say for sure. But I just don't think that we're going to see vintage Buster Posey. And we haven't seen that vintage Buster Posey in a long time, at least since 2017 when he hit 320. And he's been on kind of steady decline since then. And so I just don't see the value here, especially when there's guys around him where you could get upside there's limited upside here at this point in his career. So I'm going to have to fade him at this draft position. And I hope that others will too, because I just don't want you to get sucked in that trap of the name. Uh, I think it's just a name value at this point. That was what I was going to ask. You think it's, he's literally ranked there just because of his name, because his production does not match at all. Last right. One, we see recency bias from 2020, like you mentioned, pretty strong and he didn't even play. And two, I think it's just the name. Like there's nothing else that really supports him going that high, in my opinion, because you've got like Yachty right behind him, who's in a similar scenario mm-hmm. where he doesn't have a team right now. And he wants so much money that the Cardinals aren't willing to even sign, like resign him. So who knows where he ends up? But the name value is carrying a lot of these guys. And it's just interesting to see. 
name value and recency bias have been really strong in the draft so far this season. 100% agree. Uh, that, was, that actually was someone I was putting along with another guy that I'll get to in a second. But Doc, I'll let you go ahead and go next. Who's your guy in this range? You're not. All right, for me, and we're going to have our first disagreement here. I'm fading Gary Sanchez. And I know you're saying where he is. He could have that value. He has the 30 home run upside. I'm looking at the fact that he's hit under 200 in two of his past three years. That after the month of August this year, he was hitting 128. You look at someone, and Art had mentioned his high strikeout rate this year at 36%. But it's gone up each of his four uh, four full major league seasons from 22.9% to 25.1% to 28% to 36%. He got benched in September. And keep in mind, the Yankees and the Rays were leading the division. And with expanded playoffs, I think the Yankees knew that they were going to commit or that they were going to have a playoff berth locked at that point. So in my mind, it would make more sense to play someone to, to try to get them on that, on that hot streak, to build their confidence as you're coming towards the playoffs. And he took the benching kind of poorly. He, he took a little bit of a shot at Aaron Boone. I mean, even the first game of the playoffs, they started Kyle Higashioka. So you look Probably at him defending his name. Thank you. You look at his, him defensively, he's awful. And I think, you know, I think I don't have this in front of me. I think he was in the tops in terms of passed balls allowed. So you're really banking on that home run rate and RBIs for people being on base. And the Yankees don't always have the healthiest team. Joe Urshela just had elbow surgery. Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton are always locks to be on the IL at some point. So if he does hit these home runs, a lot of them might be solo if they don't have the people on base, especially if they let DJ LeMayu go. Yeah, I can definitely see dinging him for that doo-doo Yankees training staff. That's for sure. They, they really are. I don't know what's going on there. But, uh, I mean, that that's part of the – I agree with you. But I also think that the variance is that the upside is, is really high on him. That's why well, I like him there. Well, besides home runs, I mean, what upside do you see with him? Uh, counting stats, he's going to have RBIs and runs. And uh, the home runs are really valuable. He he has the best power among all the catchers uh, that that are available this year. I'd have yeah. to pull. I'd have to pull up his runs. I mean, he had 19 runs in 2020. He actually had a negative 0.5 WAR. Oh, there you go. Uh, Give him that left hook. <laughs> so I mean, I can't disagree with you. And the power's there. Um, I, I think a lot of times you'll see that he might have a multi-home run game, or he gets really streaky for a week. But if you're playing in a points league, when he has a strikeout, and I think there was only four games last year where he didn't have a plate, a pinch hit plate appearance where he didn't have a strikeout. So you're looking at eighty, at over eighty percent of games that he plays in, he strikes out at least once. So if he's not hitting those home runs in that type of format, he's actually hurting you more than helping you. I actually think his strikeout rate is going to come down. I, I do think that there was a problem with the ramp up to this last season. The guy who's been under 30 for three three seasons in the bigs, jumping to 36, to me, that's a little bit hinky. And I think it's going to come down a little bit below 30. I mean, do you, do you see him at 2019 where he has his 28% strikeout rate? I do. I, I, I see him going down to around 28, 25 to 28, like he's been at for a few years. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I, I can't disagree with the power because it is there. But I, I just think that's something to bank on so much that I'd rather look at other people in that range. Just me personally. So mm-hmm. Doc, understood. Doc, you have he's ranked eleven. 
just kind of top of your head, how far back would you move him? I would look in probably in the 15 to 17 range, um, just because I don't think he's guaranteed to play every day. I mean, the fact that he got benched in a 60-game season when the Yankees had clinched a postseason and they don't roll him out game one. I mean, I think Aaron Boone, and, and this might be a personal relationship too, I don't know if Aaron Boone is the biggest Gary Sanchez fan. And if he's the one that's making the decisions of the lineup every day, you want someone that's a fan of someone at that position. We might have to rename this the Gary Sanchez pod the way this is going. <laughs> but uh, one one thing that concerns me, though, is that strikeouts are one of the quickest stats to stabilize, like generally. And I know it's 2020 was a weird year, so it's easy to write off. But I don't know. I just see the strikeout rate maintaining a pretty high rate. The power's legit. But Sanchez, it, it, the value, like where he's going, I have a tough time arguing against him. There's there's a lot of upside. You don't have a ton to lose. But then again, if he keeps striking out, if he hits 150, who cares how many home runs you get? Yeah, I mean, take him, and then we can talk about the guys after 20 in a, a minute or two that you can pair with him. And then, you know, if he excels, great. If not, then you have a late-round stud you can pair. But let's stay with this for a couple more guys. Cheesecake, give us your guy in the 11 to 20 range you do not like. Well, I'm going a lot off of what Clegg was talking about. My guy is Joey Bart, actually, just because, you know, Buster Posey's there. Uh, Joey Bart's a guy who had three walks and 41 strikeouts in his little cup of coffee in 2020 in the bigs. That is bad. 37% K rate, under 3% walk rate. Very small sample size. But also, this is a guy who got worse the more he played in 2019, uh, 2020. Catchers have a really hard time adjusting to the bigs. There's a lot of adjustment to do to, to, to being up on the defensive side and also to hit. It takes a long time to adjust. And you got the Giants. They have Buster Posey's already there. You got Brandon Belt there as well, taking time up at first base. And I don't think that we can bank on there being a DH in the NL. And I I am not drafting based upon the fact that I believe there's going to be a DH in the, in the NL. Because, you know, it, it's a negotiating chip at the collective bargaining agreement. And at this point, I see MLB and the owners holding on to that negotiating chip because it's something that they could give to the players at the, at the collective bargaining agreement in 2021, 2022. So, you know, roster resource even projects him to be in triple a right now. Not that roster resource is the end all be all, but they don't even project him to be on the 25 man roster to start the season right now. So I, I, I think Bart, just because of the fact that the giants have veterans and, 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 you know, a spot will open up if he's that good, but right now what you're looking at spots that are, are are taken by longtime vets there for a guy who struggled in his first chance up and a guy who might still not be fully adjusted to the bigs. So Bart's a guy I'm fading. He's going pretty late. So the the fact that, you know, he has that potential to be a stud, uh, maybe take him and you might you might be right for me. I'm not going to hope on that potential. I'm going to take a guy who I think uh, I think is ready to look to deliver. And there are a couple guys later than him that I really like. All right. Well said. Um, I'm going to stay with the catcher timeshare thing here. And that's Pedro Severino. If you're in dynasty, you already know that Adley Rushman is coming. So that already kills his value in dynasty leagues season long. I'm not necessarily too excited either. Let's, let's start with the easy negatives. He's already expected to be in a timeshare with Chance Cisco, and he's horrible at pitch framing, which he ranked in the bottom 14 percentile in pitch framing, which is big 
that's your team wants you to be able to help your pitchers out. And if he's not doing a good job at that, then he might see some playing time as well. Looking at his profile, his K percentage went up, hard hit and barrel percentage went down. He's shown to severely struggle hitting breaking balls each of his last few seasons, and he's upped his chase percentage nearly 6% while lowering his contact percentage. And looking kind of at his numbers this year, through 40 games, he was sitting at a 295 average, slugging 462. And he only managed, uh, after that, one hit in his last 28 at-bats after that point in the season, after the uh, 40 games. And during that time, Chancisco was kind of flipping it and kind of the other way around. He was making positive changes. He improved his plate discipline. His on-base percentage climbed. Uh, he also had 22 walks in his last 198 plate appearances. And his OPS plus rose to 105, which actually Severino has not compiled an OPS plus that high in, in his, any of his seasons with the team. And just basically bottom line, Chance Cisco was improving. Pedro Severino was struggling. I think you get best case scenario. It's a 50-50 timeshare. And worst case scenario, Chance Cisco ends up taking the majority as the young player at the catcher position as they develop him a little bit. So the timeshare is scary for a catcher because you need ABs. And Clegg touched on that with Jorge Alfaro. And anybody that's already starting out the year in a timeshare, I'm immediately fading unless you're in like a best ball draft and you're drafting both of them. Like you're drafting a Chance Cisco and Pedro Severino. Or again, you're drafting, uh, like Cheesecake said, maybe you draft Joey Bart and Buster Posey. You have the entire backstop locked up if you believe in both of them. So I'm fading Pedro, Pedro Severino for that reason. But... I think people kind of realize that timeshares are a no-go. So let's go to something they may not know. And that might be the catchers outside the top 20 that you are targeting this offseason. Someone basically you might be able to kind of get free at the end of your draft. And they could make a huge difference in, uh, in your league because catchers are very scarce. So I want to get this one kicked off here. And I want to go Max Stassi. And I want to first give Paul Spore credit because he was the president of the Max Stassi fan club. So I, I, I know he's the biggest lover of Max Stassi, but I've become like a, a vice president or a treasurer, if you will. So in a shortened season, 31 games were the third most played uh, in his career, actually. So even in the shortened season, he actually played the third most games, hit seven homers, drove in 20 runs. Had a 278 batting average, a 352 on base, and he slugged 533 OPS of 886, all career bests. Through the first two weeks, he was hitting 333, but then in his next 24 at bats, uh, pretty much cooled off after that, uh, hit 143. Injuries kind of took its toll and decline on his production, but then returned two weeks later and he finished the rest of the season great over his last 13 games. He hit 311 OPS of 933. And he hit three homers, drove in nine runs during that span. But looking more into his analytics, K percentage went down, 13% walk rate, which is uh, which was great. Hard hit percentage, launch angle, exit velo, barrel percentage all went up. All his X stats lined up with his actual stats. So it's not like he was due for some kind of regression. And he did decently, actually. He had the, His lowest average was 240 uh, X batting average against fastball. Every other pitch was even higher than that. So he was hitting all pitches well. I expect him to have the bulk of the playing time for the Angels in that potent lineup. He was hitting homers at a, an amazing pace. I think he's the steal of this catcher draft in a very good Angels lineup that's going to have a lot of people getting on base. 
because they don't strike out. They have a lot of players that can put the bat on the ball. And I think he's a, a complete steal. I think he's he's really far down. He is not just after 20. He is 20, 25. He's 25. So, yeah, I, I'm all in at the 25th catcher for Max Stassi. No question. David, I, I like that besides the fact that he had hip surgery. And I think is out four to six months. And I just think about how you – and this is a different sport, but someone like Kenny Galladay, you know, you use your hips so much, especially swinging a bat, and the lower movement in your torso, I feel like he would be someone that is a slow starter. But you're right, a catcher 25, his upside is pretty good. Pair him with someone that you take earlier on, and if he does anything like he did in 2019, you have an insane value. So it's, it doesn't the gamble is is very well well worth it in my opinion at that point. Um, Clegg, let's go to you for the next guy. Who are you looking at as the steal of the draft after 20? Uh, y'all might know this one too because I've hyped him up a lot. And that's Alejandro Kirk. He is going catcher 24 off the board, pick 350. I made a bold, probably too bold of a claim on the prospect toolshed pod and said he'd be a top five catcher this year. <laughs> kind of bold, but he has that potential if he plays. If, if he can get the playing time, which I think he can, like he's more than capable. Um, I want to give a shout out to Jordan Rosenblum, who had hyped him for a long time. And he does like some good stat scouting, like from minor league numbers. And he he does peak MLB like WOBA projections based on minor league numbers. And Alejandro Kirk came in from 2019 numbers, at least came in is the eighth highest projected prospect for peak MLB Woba of all prospects. So like you're looking at him in a range with guys like Wander Franco, Julio Rodriguez, Marco Luciano, Jared Kelnick. The dude's legit. He hits he's got a great hit tool first off. He's gonna hit for a high average. Everywhere he's gone, he's he's hit. I mean, he he made the jump actually from single A up to the majors this year in 2020 and in a small sample of 25 plate appearance, he's looked pretty good. Hit 375, 400 OBP, 583 slug. I know that's a small sample, but let's look back to single A in 2019 when he hit slash 288, 395, 446. The power is still developing. He's got the raw power probably to hit 20 home runs. The game power hasn't quite developed. Dude's huge. He's a bowling ball. He's five foot nine, 220, but I think he's bigger than that, honestly. He looks like it. And he, the way he runs, he just. I don't even know. It's like Bartolo Colon running around the bases. So the speed is is very minimal here. He's not going to steal bases, but that's okay because the hit and power you get is remarkable for a catcher. And so I really think he's going to be a great asset. And he's young, man. He's just turned 22. So he's going to be 22 all next season. And I think that he actually gets a chance to run with the job. I at least hope. We'll see how it all plays out with the Blue Jays. They could sign Real Muto and just screw this all up. They also have a couple other guys on the roster, like Danny Jansen, who was the starter for most of the year. They have Reese McGuire as well. I love Reese McGuire. Triple A, right? Who knows? There's there's a lot of floor here because of playing time concerns. But if he does play, and I think if he does play, he runs with a job because he's that good. Because the other guys haven't proven to hit. Jansen hasn't proven to hit. McGuire hasn't proven to hit. So if Kirk can just get a chance, I think he definitely runs away with it. And he's a massive steal here at catcher twenty four off the board. Yeah, I, it's kind of funny because it's kind of coming full circle now. Our first preview show last year doing catcher, and it was like right when we started. And I was on the air talking about how I thought Reese McGuire was kind of going to be what Kirk was going to be. 
And literally as I was doing that, like 30 minutes prior, I pulled up an article that he got caught masturbating in his car. <laughs> Public <laughs> masturbation. And I was like, I was like, oh well, there goes his value. He's not playing. <laughs> so it's kind of funny I now. Go home. Back full circle with this now. But uh Elsie, I know you were big on Kirk as well. If you want to add to that. I, I do, I do. Uh recently Rasta Resource projected him as their starting DH to start the season. And so I think uh, if you look at, actually, if you look at his steamer and depth chart projections in Roto and points right now, he is the fourth ranked catcher, fourth best projected catcher. It's mostly because of that projection of almost 290 batting average. It's really hard to project prospects, but I think when you're looking at that, getting him at the 24th catcher off the board is a real steal. 350, 351st pick. Uh, another guy who I really like is Jan Gomes. <clears throat> now, Jan Gomes is a 29th catcher off the board, 370th pick. This is a guy who's, I'm, I'm saying this is a guy again. It's okay. I was um, giving you oh, a hard man. time. Oh, man. I'm going to have to come up. This is a player. How's this that? Man. You know, wait, wait, wait. wait Art, did you listen, did, did you listen to a lot of Chris Collins? Where this, this is a guy. guy. <laughs> Hey man, he's the best there is. I don't know why I wouldn't want to copy Chris Collinsworth. Um, <laughs> uh, well, who was I talking about? Jan Gomes. That's right. One thing in Jan's favor, he and I have the same birthday, right? He's going to be 34 next year. That's not really exceptionally old for a catcher. A lot of catchers catch into their mid thirties, and it and this is a and this is a player <laughs> with a with over. Uh, with almost 2,900 career plate appearances of over a seven a 720 OPS, this is this is a player who has been a uh, one of the best all around catchers in baseball since about 2014. He's a good defensive catcher, and he's got pop, and he has about a 250 career batting average. You can't really get that type of production, and also and also playing time. Kurt Suzuki's been cutting into his playing time the past few seasons. Uh, Kurt Suzuki's a free agent right now. Jan Gomes currently has that job wrapped up without a real uh, uh, person to take any sort of plate appearances away from. I think you can project him to have over 400 to 450 plate appearances next season, and that's super valuable. I project him to get between 15 and 20 home runs, and you're getting him as a 29th catcher off the board, a guy who's going to hit 250 with 15 to 20 home runs. Super value, I think, real late in the draft. And like I said, those plate appearances, really valuable. 100% 100% agree. Doc, let's finish this up. Who's your player that you're targeting at the end all of this draft right, here? All right, well, for I guess for this segment, we're going to both credit Spore. And I'm going to go Omar Nevaez um, with the 28th catcher going off the board. We had mentioned when he came on the pot a couple weeks ago that he was exceptional defensively in 2020, which is kind of the opposite of how he's been. He's normally been a really good offensive catcher. The year before that, he had 278 with 22 home runs, 55 RBIs. You also look, and I know he had an, an atrocious 2020, but it's also a 60-game sample. And, and you know, for some people that notoriously start off slow, you don't necessarily have all of the at-bats to really get into a hot streak. I look at him, and he's a career 267 hitter. I know he had under 200 this past season, so I kind of look at that as, as an anomaly. And I also look, the Brewers overall had a really down year. You look at Christian Yelich, who was awful, um, and that's put, maybe putting it nicely compared to his ADP. Keston Hira hit 212. So I think that team overall fell short of expectations. I think a long off season and kind of getting things right. Um, I think it, at catcher 28, he has great value. 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, there's a lot of guys I think that's surprising that they're after 20. Um, especially a lot of leagues are one catcher leagues, so they're pretty much going to go undrafted in two catcher leagues. They'll be at the end of draft. So love the value that everybody's talking about bringing here. Hopefully these guys will pay off and people that are listening can get these guys win their leagues for league mates that might not know about these later guys on in these draft podcast. There you go. That's right. So great discussion, gentlemen. We're going to move from that and we're going to get to a little bit more fun part of the show. And we're going to go to our question of the week. That was for you, Doc. Oh, man. Thanks for the Seinfeld. You're Love welcome. So our David, you've been of- so nice to me this week. What are you hiding from I me? I don't know. It feels weird. Our question of the week is sponsored by... Take it away, Doc. Don't you hate when someone's swag is so bright they blind the room and you're not prepared? Well, the boys at Shady Ray got you covered. Never risk your eyes' health again. I know we're coming up on winter, but spring will come again. Summer will come again. Eventually, we'll be over the Rona, and don't you want to be looking fly? They're quality and affordable. If you don't believe me, they get scratched, broken, or dented because someone like Dontrell Willis throws a wild pitch, they'll replace it for you. Every order placed, Shady Rays will donate 10 meals to Feeding America. They've done 13 million so far. That was Nolan Arenado's contract for 2020. Don't you want to give back and help? Get 25% off your order with the code TRIPLEPLAY at ShadyRays.com. This applies to everything besides the RX series. Get your bros, girlfriends, dogs, enemies, whoever a pair of Shady Rays this winter. If you're social distancing and doing virtual white elephants, they are a great gift. Just an FYI. Good call. Good call there, Doc. So our question of the week sponsored by Shady Rays, which team do you think will spend the most in free agency this winter? So I have a gut feeling where most of us might go with this, but we'll let Clegg lead off here as he's the guest. So go ahead, Clegg. All right. So I'm going to, I figured the generic answer might be a certain team that somebody else will mention. So I'm not going to mention <laughs> them, but who would have thought that the Royals and Braves would be the highest spenders so far? It's kind of crazy. Yeah. They have been the two highest spenders. So I'm going to go with a team that probably people would guess because it's a team that always spends money, and that's the New York Yankees. Mm-hmm. They have not won a World Series since 2009, which that's a huge drought by their standards. You know, They pony up money every single season to try and win. They can buy championships, unlike the Braves, unfortunately. But time's running out with their current core. They've had this core growing with, with Gary Sanchez, who we talked about, Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton. You know, this younger core that they've had for a while could be coming to like be gone soon. They're coming up on free agency. They're running out of time. So they've got to get some guys behind Garrett Cole in the rotation. So I expect them to pony up some money in the rotation. They're going to have to re up and sign DJ LeMahieu or a replacement for him. Mm-hmm. That's going to be pretty costly. They could get JT Real Muto. It's going to cost them some money. They're going to be in on every big free agent. They're probably going to land a couple of them because, you know, that's what they do. It would not surprise me at all to see Trevor Bauer sign there on a huge deal. That's a big chunk. So I'm going to go with the Yankees as the big spender ultimately. But shout out to the Braves. Maybe they'll do something and spend a lot of money for once. They're they're doing their thing right now. So let's just get Ozuna back and maybe some more big splashes. But I, I still think it comes down to the Yankees. You're, uh, I mean, the pitching already is looking amazing for Atlanta. So if they just have the bats to back it up, I mean, they'll they'll be right. co-favorites with Dodgers in the National League for sure. Uh, Doc, where are you going? All right. Well, Clegg Camaroto 
stole mine because when I came up with the question, David said, we're all going to pick the Mets. And I said, I'll pick a different one. <laughs> well, that's why I figured uh, I was going was the Mets. And, and you know what? Red Oak Leg took like all of my analysis of the Yankees current cores aging. They haven't won a world series since 2009, which is an eternity for them that, um, I, this is probably the only point he didn't make. And this is more of kind of an arbitrary one. I don't think they like being little brother to the Mets in any sense. And I think, you know, people might float around even as a joke. Oh, the Mets spent more than the Yankees Are the Yankees being cheap now. Are they the new frugal team in New York? And I could see them overpaying a George Springer, or a Trevor Bauer, um, and landing a big name free agent and then some smaller free agency signings. But I do think one of the larger names in free agency will sign there. Okay, fair enough. Cheesecake, what's your pick for this team? Well, I, I also thought that the Mets were the obvious choice. Steve Cohen, the, but they haven't come out gangbusters. And I don't know if that is because they're trying to be smart with their spending. They, they, they've, they've gone after, they, they, they put the qualifying offer out to Stroman. They went and got, to, well, it looks like they're going to get McCann. So I, I'm not, I, I want to say them, but uh, it looks like they're trying to be smart with their money. I, I think that uh, I really think Bauer's going to the Angels. So I'm going to mm-hmm. pick the Angels as uh, as my big team. They've made a lot of moves already. They're looking to get aggressive. They got Rysel Iglesias. They got Jose Iglesias. As as uh, as Justin Mason would say, they got both Iglesias on their team right now. Um, and so they're they're making moves. And I think, you know, one if if Bauer does a multi-year deal, it'll definitely be huge. But if it's a one-year deal, it's going to be like forty million dollars. So that's going to be a big spend right there. I, I like Anaheim to be one of the most aggressive big spending teams this off season. Uh, like I said, because I haven't really seen it yet from the Mets. Yeah, I, actually, you took what I was going to say. I was going to go to the Angels as well. Uh, I, I, I've already seen the pictures of him in an Angels jersey, like trending all over Twitter. I think that's 100% where he's going. Um, shout out to the Mets, obviously. I think the Mets might make some moves. They have the money to do it, especially with Robinson Cano's money off the books now. So that will help. And then also, I, I think the White Sox could be a sneaky team. They're an all-in team right now. And I've already heard the rumors about Michael Brantley signing there, potentially bringing in Springer. You, you never know. I mean, they just traded for Lance Lynn. So they might literally go balls to the wall all in and just put all their chips to the middle of the table and sign a Trevor Bauer or do something like that and really just uh, just add a couple marquee guys into that already crazy good team, which as a Twins fan just absolutely just terrifies me. So uh, I think we pretty much hit on most of the big name teams and that are going to be active this off season. So let's go to the last part of the show. It's going to be our game of the week. All right. Now I'm pumped up. I, the tiger always gets me going. So doc, tell us what we're playing today. Fellas, fellas, fellas. I feel like as fantasy baseball aficionados, we're always looking forward 2021 early two rankings. Who are the best prospects in 2029? Who are the kindergartners in the Dominican Republic that are showing some potential? But now let's do some reflection. So what I have is a group or categories from award winners from 2010 to 2020 
And what I'm going to do is this is going to be round robin. So it's going to be different categories. So Clegg's going to start with one, then David, then Art. And what happens is if you get the answer right, it goes to the next person. Or if you get one of the answers right, if you get it wrong, you're out of the category. And uh, and we'll see whoever has the it's most. Like, it's the Stump the Schwab style. It is. It is the Stump the Schwab style. Gotcha. I have, I have four categories here. And in case it's 2-2 two, two between Art and Clegg and David gets zero, <laughs> I have a fifth tiebreaker. Oh, that's fine. All right. I like being the underdog. Let's go. Okay. So the first one, and Clegg, we're starting with you. Oh, between, gosh. Between 2010 and 2020, so including this past season, there were nine different pitchers that won the AL Cy Young Award. Name one. That won the AL Cy Young Award? Yeah, including Justin this. Verlander. Okay. That's right. David. Okay, I thought you were waiting to say my name. Um, Rick Porcello. That's a good one. Rick Porcello did win. Art. Corey Kluber. Corey Kluber won too. Clegg, it's back to you. Felix Hernandez. Felix Hernandez won in 2010. It's a good one. Oh, Felix. man. Yeah. We're, going, we're, going back we're going back to you. Um, did CC Sabathia win it? <laughs> oh, I knew it after I said Ouch, it. Yeah. it Ouch, yeah. Art, to you. Um, Zach Granke. Zach Granke did not win. So Clegg wins this category. Oh, man. The remaining answer is David Price, Max Scherzer, Dallas Keuchel, Blake Snell, and none of you guys said Shane Bieber. I know. I was just oh thinking, my that. God. How did I forget Shane? I, I, oh. that's, why, that's why I said a couple times, I said, including this year. I, was, I thought you guys were going to start off. Trevor Bauer popped in my head, and I was like, oh, he's in the National. I didn't even think about the American League, honestly. You were thinking about him with the Angels already. Yeah, dude. I'm, my head's all over the place. Right? <laughs> well, David. Granky must have won in like 08 or 09 with the he Royals. He won in 2009. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So, David, that was a good segue because we're now doing NL Cy Youngs. There were seven, di- seven different winners from 2010 to 2020, and you were first. All right. Trevor Bauer. <laughs> Trevor Bauer is one of them. Art, we're to you. Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw won three separate times. Jeez, that's crazy. Clegg, where do you? Don't take my Jacob, Jacob DeGrom. Jacob DeGrom has won twice. We're thinning it out quick with those yeah, guys. Going back. Yeah, there's seven in this. So it's a I have Max Scherzer in the tanks. So let's go. Max Scherzer won two of them. So we have three answers left, and we are at art. Um, oh, uh, golly. So- Where's that shot clock when you need it? <laughs> I'll give you five more seconds. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, it's not an answer. Right now, I need it. Or you're guy, out. It's, it's this guy. Brandon Webb. Yeah, but, All right. <laughs> Brandon, 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 Webb, Brandon Webb, you out. You out. All right, Clegg, where do you? Can you put the pressure back on David? Oh, uh, Jake Arrieta. Jake Arrieta won. In L, Ben? Yeah. He was with the Cubs. Okay. <laughs> you're wearing the hat. David, we got, we got two answers left, and it's back on you. Oh, my God. I didn't think it was going to get back to me. Well, you were uh, not prepared, sir. I'm going to go. This is a guy. Nice <laughs> <laughs> job to buy some time. Uh, I'll say Aaron Nola. Incorrect. So Clegg wins this category. No, again. we literally said the same amount of answers. How is that even fair? Because it starts off with a different person each time. I started it off. 
Yeah, and Clegg started it off last time. This is just, so all right. So that's, that's why we're rotating. This, this is my turn to because say that. I can answer again because I remembered one that was off the wall. That is true. Okay, all right, Dickie. All right, Dickie was 2012. Wow. You had the that old- in the chamber? Yeah, that's all, that was my next one. It hit oh, me man. The, yeah, you deserve it. The only that. other one, Clegg, do you know it? I'll give you a hint. It was in 2010. Roy Holiday. It was Roy Holiday. Yeah. All right. yeah. I knew he was around then. All yeah. right. All right. Well, Clegg's up 2 nothing. We got two categories left. So, David and Art, you guys got to get it to tie. And if Clegg gets this, he wins. Art, we're staying. I with didn't you. win last time. I got to win today. <laughs> Art, we're, we're starting with you, and we're going AL MVP. And there were eight different winners from 2010 to 2020. Uh, Mike Trout. Mike Trout has won it three times. Dang. Clegg, we're going to you. Jose Abreu. Jose Abreu, the most recent winner. 2021. And we're going to David. Miguel Cabrera. Miguel Cabrera won it twice. So the, the obvious answer is out. We go back to Art. There's five players left. Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts won it in 2018. Like we go I'm, back to you. I'm going to be risky because I don't remember when. If it is close, but Miguel Cabrera. He was already said you're eliminated from this category, unfortunately. <laughs> how, did I, how did I miss that? That was the one I said uh, – this past turn, when, thank uh, you. I didn't, wasn't paying attention. Obviously, David, we're back. Or maybe to it was just in my brain. We're back <laughs> to you, and there's four answers left. Didn't Jose Altuve win it one year? Jose Altuve cheated Aaron Judge out of one. Yes, I do remember that. There we go. Three left, and Art, we're going back to you. Um, that was the nail in the coffin. Um, Alex Bregman. That is incorrect. The remaining players, Josh Donaldson won it in 2015, Justin Verlander in 2011, and Josh Hamilton. That was this this decade, wow. Throwback Thursday in 2010, right before he signed that big contract with the Angels. So we are two to one to zero. David, you need this to tie Clegg. (laughs) Let's do it. Uh, Clegg, we are starting with you, and we are going NL MVP, and I'll give you guys all a hint. There have been no repeat winners from 2010 to 2020. So we have 11 different answers on the board. Hmm. And Clegg, we're starting with you. All right. We'll just go with my boy, Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman, most recent winner. David, to you. Um, we're going to go with Bryce, Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper is an answer. Art, we're going to you. Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant. He is another answer. Clegg, back to you. Cody Bellinger. I'll stick Cody. with the new new guys. Cody Bellinger. Yes, sir. 2019. David Didn't Andrew McCutcheon do it this decade? Andrew McCutcheon did do it this decade. Nice. Art, we're going to you. We're flying through this category. Christian Yelich. Christian Yelich is another one. Good job. That was my guys. next one. I should have <laughs> used him earlier and saved we got, McCutcheon. We got, we got five. And McCutcheon left. was a good one. We got uh, five. Was, and we're going back to Clegg. Was Stanton before Yelich? You are good. It was Stanton, and he was before Yelich. So we got four guys left, and it oh, is on gosh. <laughs> I have no idea now. Holy crap. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt? That is incorrect. No! <laughs> <laughs> well, well Clegg, Clegg, Clegg clinched an automatic one. Art, let's just see if you can get one for good measure. Oh. 
Um, Nolan Arenado? That is incorrect. So, Clegg, there's four left. Do you think you can get any of them? Mm, was Albert Pujols one? <laughs> no. So the remaining four are Joey Votto, Ryan oh. Braun when he cheated Matt Kemp, Buster Posey, and Clayton Kershaw. Nice. Oh. Two pitchers. I, 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 I had a, a last one. I don't know if you guys want to do this for fun. This is something we could edit out. Um, no, let's it, do it. Let's it, do it, is, right. it is the uh, players that led the league in home runs and between oh, 2010 be and 2020. So there's nine different ones. And, David, we'll start with you. Led the majors, you mean? Yeah, led the majors. John Carlos Stanton. John Carlos Stanton is the year that he won the MVP. Art? Um, Cody Bellinger. That is incorrect. Out already. Really? Wow. Aaron Judge, did he win his rookie year? Lead his rookie year? No, that was the same year that Stanton did it. Didn't so. Mike Trout do it? No. Pete Alonzo. Pete Alonzo. Pete Alonzo did. Pete Alonzo was one. Yeah. Um, uh, we, we sucked at that category. <laughs> How could I forget about this year? Another brave, freaking Marcelo Zuna. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. yeah. Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt. Oh, yeah. He was in the National League. Oh, yeah. Zuna was just National League. The other answers Jose Bautista in 2010 and 2011. Miguel, Miguel Cabrera in 2012. Chris Davis from the Orioles in 2013 and 2015. <laughs> Nelson Cruz. Mark Trumbo and Chris Davis from the Athletics. So, wide variety of names. That was yeah. I don't know. If we would have gone too far with that. That's why I added as a bonus. Well, Clegg, you are our winner. So the FaceTime is yours, my friend. Before you, I just want to thank you for coming on the show. I, I know you're a really busy guy, but it's always an absolute blast having you on when you can make it on here. So uh, the time is yours plug whatever you got and uh congrats on the winning of the game this time oh, thank you man it's an honor to win and i just want to thank you guys man it's always you guys have the most fun podcast that i ever going on so i always enjoy coming hanging out with the triple play crew it's always a blast good analysis the games make it great the question of the week is awesome it's a unique podcast y'all are part of the fan tracks fam now so you know we're, we're all family so i'm glad to have you guys aboard on our fan tracks team and enjoy hanging out with you. Always, always enjoy it, man. So wait, I'll wait. always come on anytime you need somebody. Am, am I officially family with Roto Clegg? Fan tracks fan, baby. Okay, <laughs> he put the fan tracks to... in there. So you're not actually. You're, we're, fam. Fam. No, we're fam. We're fam. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot David down again. I love it. No, but, uh, <laughs> Clegg, man, you're the man. Again, one of my favorite guys. Uh, I'm not even saying that one of the, the best friends I've made on, on Twitter during this, this pandemic, he's a, a great dude. Anytime you want to get better with your fancy baseball stuff, read his articles and, and Clay, can you tell us just, you know, what you're doing, where they can find your work and all that stuff for the listeners that might not know. Yeah, sure. So I've scaled back my player deep dives a little bit. Cause I was doing two to three a week and it was just like a lot. So I'm working on a couple other articles, still doing three articles a week, but I'll do player deep dive on Monday. And so Garrett Cole is coming out this Monday. I just did Chris Sale this past week. If you want to check it out, had a nice little timeline of his injury history and illness history. If you didn't know, he, he had a stomach issue and it's because he got an infection from a belly button ring. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> because it's Chris Sale. 
<laughs> you know, what else? And then I'm also working on uh, some stat cast pieces. So I've worked, looked at batting average over and under performers. The next two weeks will be uh, expected home run over and under performers, which is a cool stat now that's on Baseball Savant. They look at like no doubters, like if your home run would be out at every stadium and they have this formula that creates like expected home runs, which is a pretty neat thing. So we'll dive in on some players there. And then I'm looking at some dynasty buy low and sell high. So last week was sell high for starting pitcher in dynasty and next week will be uh, buy low for starting pitcher. So it's kind of what's what's on the docket next week. If you want to check that out, it's over at Fantrax HQ and my works. You can find my t- stuff on Twitter at Rotocleg as Eric has made sure everybody knows. <laughs> One more time for us. Roto Clegg! There we go. <laughs> yeah, too good. Shaking it too. That's awesome. I can't wait till we can actually meet in person. And I'm hoping you say that in front of everybody, like at a first pitch conference or something. You act like I, I wouldn't do it. I have no shame. I would totally I'm counting do it. on it. I'm counting on that. Yeah. I mean, we're hoping that first pitch can go on this year. We're really anxious to meet you and, and everybody else that's going to be yeah. there. So I hope that goes down. But I don't want to hold this man up anymore. I know he's got a, a busy time. And uh, again, thank him again for coming on. And stay tuned because next week we are going to be diving into the first base with Chris, a.k.a. Baseball Pod. So make sure you don't miss that episode. Until then, make sure you stay safe. We'll catch you guys next week. Mm-hmm.